Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for attending. And now, without further ado, to answer your questions, we welcome Commissioner Carl Benson. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for attending today's press conference. Uh, at a time when there are so many uncertainties facing intercollegiate athletics, I thought that this would be a good opportunity to address some of those issues. Uh, who's got the first question? I got a question. Uh, Trent Krim from the Independent. <laughs> really? Trent Krim from the Independent? Are you kidding me? What's your question? Well, well what makes you qualified to be a commissioner? And alive. That's the best that you can have at a time when, when we've got all these issues facing us, and that's the best question you have? That's the stupidest question I've ever heard. And really, who, who let this guy in? It's the holiday season. So how do you put a bow around everything that's happened in collegiate athletics in 2021? Can you? So much to talk about, so little time. But we're going to try in this episode of Knutson and the Commish. I'm Mark Knutson, along with former Commissioner Carl Benson. This week, Carl and I will each note our top five events, things that happened on and off the playing fields in college sports in 2021. There's COVID, NIL, Transfer Portal, Conference Realignment, and the Coaching Carousel. Oh, and March Madness, too. We'll try to tackle all of it and sum up what was a monumental year when we come back. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than DenverAutographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall. Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at DenverAutographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at Colorado at gmail.com for more information. Hi, and welcome to Knutson and the Commission, the final show of 2021. It's been an eventful year, Carl Benson. Um, I get eventful is not even putting it, putting it right. I mean, it's not doing it justice. It's just been a bizarre season or bar, bizarre year on and off the playing fields for, for college athletics, uh, unprecedented in a lot of ways. But today we want to spend a time looking back at 2021, uh, hopefully putting it, putting it in the rearview mirror at that point and moving forward. But we, uh, so many monumental things happened that uh, thought it was a good time to kind of list our, our top five moments or top five things that happened in college sport doesn't have to be on the field can be off the field whatever top five things that happened uh to college athletics in 2021 and i'm sure we'll agree on some of these we'll, we'll probably leaving some stuff out and we have maybe we'll have time to go back and mention our honorable mentions too at that point but um it's been crazy and i know um you've seen a lot during your career but have you ever seen anything like 2021 it, it really has been uh, eventful uh, as we've said many times the the amount of content that has been created in the, in the college sports world has allowed podcasts like this and throughout the country, all the, the journalists, the, the members of the media uh, wake up every morning and they don't have to go out and, and search and look for today's news, yeah. uh, sports news. And it, uh, it has filled up the, you know, the, the online uh, content to this, to the point that it may be one of the most, uh, if not the most, just event filled. And right. you, know, you asked me to try to find my top five. Um, I think we could have done 10 yep. and, and easily got it there, but uh, I'm ready to go with my five, but you I'll, go ahead. I'll go, I'll go first. Cause you're the okay. star. We got to have you, I, you're 
you're the act I got. I'm I'm the guy you got to follow. You're you're the, <laughs> you're, you're the tough act to follow. But anyway, um, the thing about eventful, I want to clarify this at the beginning. These aren't just things that happened that were like breaking news one time, boom, boom, boom. These are things with repercussions that are la- going to last for decades, right? I mean, some of the things that have happened this year will reverberate through college athletics for the next 10 years and more. And that's, I think, what, what makes this year so amazing. So I'll go ahead and start out. Um, my number five um, has to do with COVID. Uh, obviously, COVID uh, 2020 was worse in terms of COVID, but 2021 has still had its, as its, had its bad moments. And my number five story is the perils of uh, North Carolina State. The Wolfpack this year, uh, if you remember, um, basketball season, they got through it a little bit. They, their, their men's team played in the NIT, uh, lost to Colorado State in the NIT. I'll throw that in there. But then came baseball season, and North Carolina State was unseated, unranked. They make this, they get hot, they make this run to Omaha, they get into the tournament in Omaha. They're one win away from going to the finals against powerful, they already beaten powerful Vanderbilt. They're one win away. And then the, then the COVID tests happened and half of their roster, 13 out of 27 kids are ruled they can't play. Now, we don't know if those are positives or contacts with positive, but 13 can't play. They still play Vanderbilt and lose three to one. <laughs> I mean, we have a pitcher playing first base and he gets three hits and he plays first base. They lose three to one to Vanderbilt. But the next day, they get another shot at Vanderbilt. If they win that one, they go to the, they go to the finals. But now they have four more kids test positive and they're out. They're, they're eliminated from the College World Series without ever playing, um, which obviously can't – that doesn't sit well with anybody. At that point, the, the, the rumblings were that most of the North Carolina State players had not been vaccinated. Now, the vaccine was available by, the, by, the, by June for the College World Series. Most of them hadn't been vaccinated, and that caused a big uproar, obviously. And I think if they had to do it over again, they, they probably would have made sure all their players were, were vaccinated and safe. Fast forward to football season. This past week, North Carolina State. Are, are you still on number five? I'm still, still on, I'm five? still on number five. Okay. Um, okay. Fast forward to North Carolina State football season. They have a nine-win season. They're going to the Holiday Bowl. They're fully vaccinated. No problems. They go to the Holiday Bowl hours before kickoff. The game's called off because their opponent, UCLA, has COVID issues and can't field a football team. So COVID really hit North Carolina State this year from both directions. Uh, you wonder what lessons were learned there, but. Um, I think that's an amazing story, and I think it is something that looking at, looking ahead, other schools have to look at that and say, hey, we don't want that to happen to us, so we're going to take all the precautions we can. Hopefully UCLA does that, and all the schools do that, and we can get through this basketball season, at least without too much in, more interruptions, because there's been a ton of interruptions already. So that's my number five. Absolutely, and uh, I'm going to follow that Please. Uh, with, with COVID as well. Right. Um, and I, I, I try to put my other four in – in a time frame context, okay. COVID it, it expanded the entire year. So it covered Absolutely. the entire year. Um, your North Carolina State uh, story from, from College World Series in Omaha to San Diego the other day, um, you know, football coach Dave Doran yesterday, yep. uh, when he found out that the football game, that the NCAA wouldn't recognize a forfeit, whatever, whatever, um, came up with one of the better acronyms for the NCAA. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with it, but he said NCAA stands for no clue at all, which is the first time that I've seen that, uh, yeah. that NCAA. He, no he got, he got a, he got a trophy. They gave him the trophy. He got the he got trophy. Tri- to free trip home. to a trip to San Diego, vacation to San Diego and a trophy and didn't lose. Can't, it's not all okay. bad. So my, my number five uh, focuses on, on the NCAA uh, men's and women's basketball tournament. Uh, when, 
the NCAA doing everything humanly possible to save and protect its crown jewel, uh, established, you know, a, a semi-bubble to yep. conduct both the men's tournament with all the games on the men's side in and around Indianapolis. Yep. On the women's side, they, they were in San Antonio trying to do the same thing at various venues uh, simultaneously. It was, it was definitely a, 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 a work in progress for the NCAA to manage all that. But what came from it, Mark, I think is a positive. The NCAA was exposed in how the men's tournament is conducted and the, the procedures, the policies, the, the way student athletes you know, are treated, the amenities, uh, right down to what, you know, what they serve for lunch, yep. you know, in the box lunches. And it was highlighted by some of the women's players and the women's coaches seeing the luxurious fitness and workout facilities that the men were doing in, in and around Indianapolis. Now, granted, yep. Indianapolis is the site of, you know, many, H many H national governing bodies. For, for the Olympic sports, the facilities in Indianapolis are unbelievable. You can just walk right. across the street and get into a gym or some high quality, right. you know, type of a workout place. Unfortunately, in San Antonio, and I'm not trying to make excuses here, they may not have had the same type of, right. of uh, access to those types of gyms. But the the video and the pictures that they took of a of a gym in a hotel ballroom where they tried to make out or make up a, a, a workout make, room. Makeshift, yeah. Uh, brought tremendous light on the inequities. Right. And it resulted then in a, in a you know, the NCAA is famous for its studies and, study, and, and famous for his, you know, we need to take this under, you know, under advisement. Uh, but they did conduct a, across-the-board review of men's tournament, women's tournament, and everything that goes into it. You know, I was, I was on the NCAA staff back in, the, back in the 80s. I was on the NCAA men's basketball committee during the early 2000s. And, you know, I, I, I've been to, to women's Final Fours. I've been to women's, you know, first, second rounds as I followed teams. You know, I never thought that, that there was huge inequities. But this study really did uncover and reveal that – you know, that the men's tournament was being treated different than the women's tournament. And, and you can argue both sides about, well, the men's tournament is generating a billion dollars a year and the women's tournament is losing, you know, X number of dollars per year. But at the end of the day, it's fairness and it's, and it's, it's a need for equity. And this study that the NCAA conducted, uh, I think, is going to have yeah. significant, you know, impact. We're already talking about mm -hmm. the possibility of conducting the men's tournament and the women's tournament at the same time, at the same site in a uh, simultaneous, you know, men's semis would be Friday, women's semis would be Saturday, yeah. men's championship or whatever, you know, that type yeah. of an alteration. But, uh, and that's been, that's been looked at before. And interesting enough, I remember being in a room with 32 commissioners and, and of those 32 commissioners, you know, 10, 10 were, were women and there was not support in the commissioner's room for a, a, a same-site men's and women's tournament. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what, you know, what materializes there yeah. and whether or not that ever comes to yeah. a fruition. And, 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 uh, I, 
I thought so, that- so anyway, long, long and short of this, the fact that you and I both kind of identified yeah. COVID in, yeah. you know, in our top five, it, you know, it yeah. had to be. There. Yes, it, it did. It did. And, you know, the one thing about your story that I found interesting is that um, they've never let the women's tournament use the term March Madness before. It's never been associated with the women's tournament. Now it's going to be moving forward. So the changes right. have already started. And obviously we know that, that that equity will be achieved in some manner. They have no choice now. So that's good. Right, my number four is, and I'm jumping way ahead to November. The um, It's not completion, but the at least the beginning of the NCAA's constitutional convention at the beginning of November. The results to this point have been kind of, if you're a firework, they'd have fizzled. Um, nothing dramatic came out of that. They're going to, Alleged, and you can explain more about this, but they're going to give more decision-making um, uh, rules, which really don't exist right now, no rules, to the divisions. divisions. Division one will have their own rules. Division two will have their own rules, et cetera. Um, so that's, I think, in some ways, it feels like a cop-out, but also, again, as we know, as we've talked about, they were all these things that have been forced upon the NCAA by politicians. When they didn't play, you said famous for their studies, because when they do the studies, they, they plot and they chart a course they haven't been able to do that they were just this was dropped on them it looks like it's almost revisionist history now they're going back and trying to fix trying to put some toothpaste back in the tube a little bit but they're going to let the 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 divisions do that the bigger news will come out in january when things are ratified then they have their quote-unquote confirm uh transformational committee that's going to do a lot of stuff like that so i think that's my number four thing because again i think it's it, it hasn't had dramatic impact yet but it's going to is that fair yeah it is absolutely and and i i have I have the the constitutional convention and the change in NCA governance okay. you know, on my on my right. next four, right. um, but I'm going to do my my countdown now based okay. on on the calendar sure. and and the in the chronological order here, and I think that they all four will have uh, connection and right. will be will be connected. So I'm going to start back on June 10th of uh, the. Commissioners and the FBS commissioners, along with the CFP, announced on June 10th a proposed 12-team format for the future CFP to go from four teams to 12 teams uh, once this current contract expires after the 2024 season. And it was widely uh, endorsed. Uh, Supposedly, it was a 10-0 vote by the commissioners, uh, 11 County Jack Swarbrick, the AD at Notre Dame. And it was going to be put forward to the board of governors of the CFP, which are the the presidents of the 10 conferences along with the president at Notre Dame, uh, two weeks later, which it did. And it it was embraced and the presidents blessed it and said further study. And, you know, there were some, you know, there were some issues that, that were up for debate in terms of just site locations and buys and and uh, you know how the how a twelve team uh, tournament would work. Uh, you know they had done some some preliminary uh, financial analysis on what a twelve team tournament uh, might deliver from either ESPN or a combination of networks and and it was dramatic. I mean today five hundred million dollars is the rights fee for the current four-team tournament. Wow. And there were uh, analysts who said that, you know, that the 12 teams and you just incrementally increase the number of games could be as much as $2 billion. And, and that got everybody's attention. 
But there was also one piece in there, Mark, that I thought was that was very interesting and and to be honest with you, surprising that that the group of five was going to be protected in this format to the point that that and the way that it was worded is that the the tournament would consist of the six highest ranked conference champions. And the assumption is that there was going to be the five power five champions, and then there would be a champion from the group of five that would be included automatically into the playoff, not into the, you know, to the the little kids table, but into the, into the guts of the tournament. And, and that was, I think a significant uh, piece it quieted Mike Oresco, the commissioner of the American, who had been, you know, pounding his, you know, he took his shoe off many times and pounded it on the table, <laughs> saying, "We need to be in. We need to be in. We need to be in. We're the, we're already a Power Six conference." And uh, you know, Mike endorsed it, embraced it, and um, he uh, he definitely, uh, you know, felt like like he had been heard and that there was going to be inclusion. I was worried as it go, and it still is right. As we now know that Table, uh, tabled, yeah. that that format has been has been tabled, but I was really worried that that this might be an opportunity for the Power Five to further separate themselves mm-hmm. from you know the the group of five. But based on you know on on that proposal, uh, and now and, and we can talk later on about you know perhaps you know where it is today, and, and I still think that that it was imp- it it will be a critical piece of the NCA future, just like you said, the Constitution Convention, yep. just like what to do with the, the men's and women's basketball tournaments. So I, I think it's it's interesting that that as I look at my five, even though they all occurred here in twenty you know twenty twenty one, yep, um, they're going to all have long reaching yep. impact yep. on the future of intercollegiate. I think that's I think that's what made twenty twenty one such a monumental year is because these weren't short term things that happened. These are things that are going to huge ramifications moving forward. All right. My number three, uh, I also think, well, it will have ramifications at least this year. And we'll see what happens in the future. It's related playoff related to is Cincinnati making the final four, the college football playoff, the first group of five school to make it to the tournament, the, the four team tournament. Um, well, regardless of whether they are able to compete with Alabama or whatever, it just, it's a, it's a big move for the group of five to get a team in there. Now the, the, the caveat here is Cincinnati won't be a group of five team very much longer They move to the big 12 will it be a power five team. But for now, just getting one group of five team, and you were a group of five commissioner for a long time, getting one group of five team into the final four of the college football playoff, that's really a really a big deal. Uh, it, it upset the apple cart in a lot of ways, but it's a really big deal, isn't it? I think there's an asterisk, and you said that yeah. they're not yeah. going to be, you know, right. in the group of five. They're moving to the Big 12. Right. Um, you know, this whole thing started a year ago when, when Cincinnati, you know, went undefeated. Uh, they got left out. You know, they played Georgia in the Peach Bowl. You know, they had the game really in their grasp. Um, and little did we know a year ago at this time that, you know, that the Big 12 would be imploded and right. and right. adding Cincinnati and, and Houston and uh, UCF uh, and BYU that uh, I think that changed that changed maybe the opinion. I think it helped Cincinnati this year. Um, yep. In terms of, of the pollsters and the, the committee, uh, I don't think they were treating them as a group of five. Really, I think they were looking at them already as a okay. peer, okay. and 
And I think that, that it helped them get over that hump. And I, my guess is, you know, and we had Terry Mahajer on with us several weeks ago about what it's like in that room. I'm sure that, that they had conversations. Hey, this is not a group of five teams. Yeah. You know, we're treating, we're treating Cincinnati, you know, as a legitimate, you know, peer, they, you know, they beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame, you know, in the past, you'd always have, you always make excuses for a Boise state or a UCF when they had their, you know, legitimate, you know, championship type season. But uh, so, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know if it's that monumental. Um, and, and this ties into my comments earlier about, the future of what the tournament's going to look right, like. Right. And now that the American has been gutted. Yep. The American isn't the American that they were this mm-hmm. year. Nope. And they won't be. Yep. And, and when you look at the group of five going forward, and I say this with a lot of respect, you know, there isn't right now a, a bell cow of of the the group of five teams left when you take mm-hmm. out Cincinnati and Houston and UCF and BYU yep. the Boise State rises to the top yep. but Boise State barely it- was 500 this year yep. they weren't ranked yep. uh, there isn't another you know real high profile group of five team left yep. Yep. and and if I'm not mistaken the only the only teams left in the group of five that have ever played on New Year's Day our Boise State, Northern Illinois from the MAC, and Western Hawaii. Michigan. Hawaii? Uh, Hawaii, correct. Back, yeah, back right, yeah, you're right. So thanks for correcting me there. So four teams, but but those, you know, those yep. have all been 10 years ago almost. Yep. So yep. Uh, I, I think there's still a lot of uncertainty as to how the group of five is going to okay. be treated in, in, a, in a new right. uh, tournament format. What's your number three? My number three. Uh, again, in kind of chronological here. So we go from June 10th and the CFP announcement to uh, July 23rd and the, the big Texas-Oklahoma announcement that they're leaving the Big 12 to go to the SEC. And, you know, the, the irony here is that that CFP subcommittee, four, three commissioners and Jack Swarbrick, at a, you know, the AD at Notre Dame, that came up with this 12-team consisted of Bob Bowlesby, the commissioner of the Big 12, Craig Thompson, the commissioner of the Mountain West, and Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC. And and supposedly they had been working for over a year uh, on this proposal. Very secretive, one of the few things, and maybe because of COVID, they were able to fly under the radar screen here, but they, no one had any idea that this group of four commissioners in an AD we're so far along on a, you know, on this project. Bowlesby and Sankey were on calls. There may have been some in-person meetings, but for Bob Bowlesby on July 23rd to be surprised. Blindsided. Texas and Oklahoma, blindsided, and we've all been blindsided. Yep. Every commissioner, you know, maybe maybe Greg Sankey hasn't been blindsided, or Jim <laughs> Delaney wasn't blindsided. Good, good point. But, you know, the rest, the rest of the uh, commissioners have been blindsided from time to time, and uh, but that that was that I think was was significant. <laughs> you know, the the conspiracy theorists thought that this was all tied into, you know, that once once Sakey proposed a twelve team playoff, that you know to add Texas and Oklahoma, you know, was going to mean that that the SEC would get 
you know, four, maybe even five teams yeah. in this new playoff model and, yep. and that, that it was all tied together. And, you know, Greg, to his you know defense, you know, stated quickly that, you know, that this, that this was not motivated by, um, you know, by the, by the format of the CFP and that he did not recruit or go out and try to convince Oklahoma and Texas uh, that Texas and Oklahoma called him and came to him, which again, you know, I thought Greg said it pretty clear early on and Greg, Greg doesn't mince words. He said, there's not another commissioner around this table who wouldn't have taken a phone call from Texas and Oklahoma. So, uh, you know, and, and to be able to provide that opportunity for, you know, for his conference, but, you know, it, it sets the stage now. And, and again, you know, what, what is this going to mean to the, you know, to the rest of, yeah. of the power five, we already saw that, you know, that this so-called alliance between the big 10 and the PAC 12 and, and the Atlantic coast conference, interesting enough, three commissioners of those three conference that, that you know, really have only been around the table for a right. year. Yeah, uh, not even for, and, and they had not been through, you know, some of the, the, you know, how to, how to play, so to speak, how to do business around the table. And, and so they kind of threw up the stop sign and said, wait a second, we didn't have any input on this proposed CFB model. Uh, we need to, we need to go back and, and reconsider this. Yep. And that's where we are. That's where we are today. Yeah. But when you think about triggers, um, you know, the yep. Texas, Oklahoma to the SEC um, yep. is, is as big. I mean, we, Easily, and, and they, they may be your number one spot. And and again, I I clearly could have put put them in my number one, uh, but trying to do it chronologically here and, and tie them all together. The biggest non-story I think of the year before I get to my number two is I think the alliance. Uh, it, it, it was all that was all pomp and no or all cat, all hat no cattle as they say. They haven't, the alliance hasn't done anything. It was they came up with a logo. That sounds like somebody from Nebraska would say uh, or Texas. Yeah, um, yeah. I just that's a big non-story. I don't know what's going to happen with the alliance moving forward, but it seems to be a lot of nothing at this point. All right, my number two is I'll I'll use a poster boy, Quint Ewers or Quinn Ewers, quarterback from from South Lake Carroll High School in Texas. Quick history, the young man uh, skipped his senior year in high school to enroll early at Ohio State, largely because he was going to get a million dollars and a Ford F-150 pickup truck if he signed with the Buckeyes. Uh, so he is my poster boy for, for the folly of name, image, and likeness. Name, image, and likeness obviously being the focus here, but Quinn Ewers is the poster boy for what's wrong with this dumb rule, dumb thing they've, they, they've unleashed on college athletics. The young man <laughs> took two snaps. At Ohio State as a freshman, didn't throw a pass, and transferred. Took Ohio State's booster money and went back to Texas. Now he's going to be a Longhorn. And the reason I have this have him in there, as opposed to just saying NIL, NIL, NIL. You and I have railed on that a lot uh, during the course of this program. But the reason I put him in there is because the hope is, and I think we talked about this on a prior podcast. Maybe the hope is that maybe Quinn Ewers being the poster boy for NIL will wake up some of these boosters who are throwing money at kids who've never taken a snap. Nick Saban made a big deal out of that at his press conference in last summer about Bryce Young, his quarterback, who turned out to be the Heisman Trophy winner, so it was a good investment, hadn't taken a snap or hadn't thrown a pass yet and was always getting 850 grand in NIL money. When are these boosters going to wake up, or are they going to wake up is my question, and say, 
I'm not going to throw this kind of money at someone who hasn't played the game yet. I haven't, I'm not going to throw this kind of money at somebody who could transfer because we have the transfer portal now. I mean, he, yours drew, drove his pickup back to Texas and the Ohio State booster is high and dry right now because there are no guardrails on NIL. There are no rules. There's no stipulations. There's nothing. Just a bunch of dumb people throwing money at, 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 at people, eradicating the scholarship limit, as we've talked about. Um, just, I mean, I, we could, and we've done shows on NIL. We'll do more on NIL. It's a disaster. Quinn Ewers is the poster boy for it. He's my number two. What's your number? Well, if, yeah, I mean, if uh, follow up on this before yeah. I get to my number two, if, if he's your poster boy, then I would say that Bryce Young is the poster boy on, uh, yeah. you know, on what, uh, what the NIL has been able to, to uh, provide. And, and you mentioned Nick Saban. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a press conference. Nick Saban was, was doing his annual speech to right. the Texas oh, high school coaches. You're right, you're right, you're right. You're over right. a thousand high school coaches in a ballroom. And Nick Saban is there as the keynote speaker. And he's talking about her. He, has, he gets a question and, and he talks about Bryce Young and, and tells these high school coaches, you know, if, if you want, you know, if, if you've got a quarterback that wants to make, you know, a million dollars now playing college football, come to Alabama yep. because, yep. you know, Bryce Young just, you know, this, yep. you know, again, unintended consequences. Yep. Uh, you can never, you can never, uh, you know, put them all together and, and try to, to control them or as the guardrails, as you say. But, uh, you know, again, this, this is a, is a result, and this gets to my number two. This is a result of the last 10 years, ever since Ed O'Bannon, you know, sued the NCAA, and it went to, you know, upper district courts about name, image, and likeness. Ed O'Bannon, the former UCLA star playing in the NBA, was, you know, featured on, on EA Sports uh, video games. And, and he sued that, that they were using his image on the cover of those, you know, those, those games. Right. And, and that triggered this, this NIL. You talk about how quickly a, an acronym, uh, you say NIL today, and, you know, the majority of people that are following intercollegiate athletics, yep. you know, knows that it's name, image, and likeness. Yep. And, and that triggered, that triggered, you know, Bannon's lawsuit. NCA appeals, um, you know, one of the most famous uh, questioning was, was uh, in district court, U.S. district court in San Francisco. And, and the, the woman that, that is sitting over there is Claudia Wolkins. Inter, or is Larry Scott, the commissioner of the big, of the Pac-12 was being interviewed or was being, in, uh, was being uh, uh, you know, questioned by, you know, the, the plaintiffs. And, at that time, Larry Scott was making $5 million a year as the commissioner of the Big 12, of the Pac-12. And, and Judge Wolkin says, you know, Commissioner Scott, how do you, how do you justify being paid $5 million for your job? And, and Larry, who is, a, I think he's a good friend. He's, a, he's well-intended. He got caught up in, I think, in the, 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 the largeness, the, the, right. the hugeness of this. And he says, well, actually, I'm, I'm really, I'm really uh, not only the commissioner of the Pac-12, I'm also the president of the Pac-12 network. So mm -hmm. I'm getting, 
you know, half of my salary from the PAC-12 networks and, the, and another half as the commissioner of the PAC-12. And it just, the, the, the optics right there. I mean, this judge who was listening to, you know, Commissioner Scott, you know, try to defend his, his salary by saying, well, I really have two jobs. You know, it just didn't fly. I, and, I, I get I mean, that. She but ruled, You know, she ruled in favor. She ruled in favor of, you know, of, of O'Bannon and right. O'Bannon wins. And, and so which leads me to my number two. And August 5th, the United States Supreme Court rules nine to zero in favor of another case that the NCAA appealed to Judge Wilkins about the, the, the scholarship limits that are placed on student athletes and the restriction. And anytime you use the word restricted or restriction, you know, the plaintiff's lawyers and the antitrust lawyers are going to, you know, come out of the woodwork. And so the Alston case, which, again, was a former student athlete who sued the NCAA because he was not able to, uh, you know, get the use of a laptop like other students. And anyway, the whole thing ends up, you know, in the Supreme Court. And the last time the Supreme Court got involved with intercollegiate athletics was back in 1984. And it was a hallmark case that up until then, the NCAA managed and controlled television, the television rights, the football television rights. And University of Georgia, um, University of Oklahoma sued the NCAA and the Supreme Court upheld. And all of a sudden the NCAA was out of the college football TV business, which and here's a book for anybody that's listening is a great, great historical about the impact of television. And it's called the, the 50 year seduction, you know, how television has shaped not just college football in the last 50 years, but intercollegiate athletics in the, yeah. in the last 50 years. Yeah. And here we go, you know, what, 60 years later, 50 years later, the Supreme Court now makes this huge ruling that pretty much you know, takes all restrictions off of what a student athlete uh, will, you know, can receive commensurate with what other students receive on campus. And, you know, we've talked about this on the air that it's, it's starting to trickle down that the, that old Miss, you know, started it with uh, an academic excellence award that every student athlete on the old Miss campus, 450 would receive $6,000 you know, just as a, you know, right before Christmas as a Christmas present for their being a student athlete. And not long after did Texas make their announcement as did Oklahoma. And, you know, so this is going to open up all, you know, all kinds of, of different areas where student athletes can tap into, you know, additional resources. You know, I, I hate to say it and I, I, I won't, I still don't use this word, pay for play right. because I, I still don't look at it as an employer and employee and, but it's compensation. Yep. It's a compensation. Right. That's right. And, and the scholarship, you know, the tuition room board fees used to be the compensation package. This compensation package is, is now much larger. And then you throw on the NIL 
And I mean, how how do you not, you know, that line of, of amateur sports versus mm-hmm. professional? Yeah. Uh, oh, it's it's gone, and and, it's, and gone. It's, it's gone, and these guys are going to realize that at tax time, right? They're going to because because now they're employees, they're going to get taxed, and they're going to say, "Whoa, wait a minute, I got to do all this nonsense." Listen, my my point as all along has been, listen. I understand Larry Scott and football coaches are overpaid and all that. We, we get that. But these are grown men who've paid their dues. They've gone, they went through college. They've worked their way up the chain like most Americans do. And they've reached a the point where they're getting big salaries for big jobs. College students are still college students. They haven't paid any dues whatsoever. And the fact that they deserve to be paid huge money when they haven't done anything yet just rubs me wrong. It always will. And I, I just, I'm, I'm all about paying your dues and they haven't done that. Hey, Carl, before we get to number one, or both our number ones, I'm going to take a quick time out. We'll be back. Stay with us. More to come. Number one's coming up on Knutson and the Commission. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than denverautographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at denverautographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at Colorado at gmail.com for more information. We're back on Knudsen and the Commish. Carl Benson, the longtime commissioner of multiple college football conferences. Mark Knudsen wrapping, wrapping it up this week's show, wrapping up 2021. Um, we're, back, we're down to our number one biggest thing of uh, biggest event, biggest thing of 2021, which was full of them. Um, and Carl, mine, you touched on earlier. Mine is Oklahoma and Texas moving to the SEC. And not just because it's more conference realignment. We've seen a lot of this already. But because of the monumental uh, shift you talked about earlier that that comes with it. Um, the, the domino effect was ridiculous, right? The domino effect was uh, all, I mean, 10, I think 10 conferences were affected by this, by realignment, either teams leaving or teams adding on. The American Athletic Conference was decimated. Um, BYU joins the conference for the first time since leaving the Mountain West. So the reverberations were enormous of that move. But there also is one thing we didn't talk about, and you, you used the perfect term. It was a trigger. That is, I wrote that down because that's the perfect term for this. It was a trigger to all these other things. It also, I think, in, in my mind, triggered the coaching carousel. I think Lincoln Riley made his move, uh, bolting Oklahoma right after the regular season ended, going to, to USC for huge money. But I think he made that move because he didn't want to go to the SEC. And I think there's a lot of Oklahoma people and Texas people looking around saying, was this the right move for us? I mean, we went from being the biggest fishes in a medium-sized pond to being just another pair of teams in, the, in a, what we presume will be the SEC West. We got to play Alabama and AM every year. You know, we, we, and it's, you know what? I think they bit off more than they can chew. I think they're going to come to regret that decision, but we'll see. Um, what's your what's your thoughts on that? Well, I think you know, you, said? yeah. Well, you can you can also I mean the, the trickle down of, of Texas Oklahoma, um, you know I think has a lot of tentacles on it, and, yep. and the coaching carousel. Uh, I think you can you can argue that that it's part of it. It's part yep. of that big deal. You know, um, Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame for LSU. On the other hand, um, you know was that a signal to to Notre Dame that. You know, that Notre Dame needs to join a conference. Maybe. Uh, and, you know, we, we know that, that contractually, you know, Notre Dame is tied to the ACC. And if they join a conference, you know, within the next 10 years, it has to be the ACC or there's some pretty significant financial penalties. But, you know, as we look to the to 2022 and beyond, 
and all the the possible outcomes from what occurred, you know, this year, um, you know, Notre Dame is still hanging out there. Yeah. Mark, is yeah. that independent? You know, BYU was up until a month before talking about how great it was to be an independent. Yeah. And right. uh, didn't take them long to say yes to the Big 12. That's, that's right. for sure. But yep. uh, so I think that's something something to watch. My, you know, my number one, and again, kind of in chronological, after the Alston case, uh, was was handled by the Supreme Court. Ten days, five days later, on August 10th, is when the NCA announced this constitutional convention, mm-hmm. and and President Mark Emmert comes forward and says we need to have change. I was in the room with Mark Emmert ten years ago in his first year as the NCA president, addressing myself and 31 other commissioner colleagues, and he had been on the job for six months, and his observation in six months was. The NCA is a dysfunctional organization. He said wow. that 10 years ago. Wow. And, and the comparison that he used was that of the 32 conferences in the room, there were 350 Division I universities under this big umbrella. And, and at that time, the annual revenue or the annual expenses for intercollegiate athletics was $5 million on the, on the, on the low side, and Texas had just announced that they were spending $150 million. 10 years later, that $5 million is still there, and we're well over $200 million mm-hmm. that, that uh, you know, Ohio State and Texas and others and Alabama are, are spending on intercollegiate athletics. And there's one set of governance for these 350 schools. Mm-hmm. And it took him 10 years to say, we need to change. I don't know what to expect from this constitutional convention. Uh, I'm going to err on the, I don't think that it'll be as much as people anticipated. Right. Yep, that's a safe uh, bet. I, I think that, that, again, the key is how to, or can the NCAA satisfy, you know, the five power five conferences? Can they hang on? This is my prediction down the road. I don't know if it's going to happen in 2022 or not. Uh, but I still believe that, that the sport of college football will somehow spin off become a an entity of its own yep and that it'll be college football inc it'll be incorporated and those that can afford to play at that level whether it's the current 65 plus 15 or whether it's the current 65 minus 15 that those who want to you know to to take on this employer employee relationship with their football players they, they do it and others revert back to a a more collegiate model, a more amateur model. Uh, Interesting comment last week here by the athletic director at the University of North Carolina. Um, The only AD in the country that uh, his name is Bubba. First name is Lawrence. In fact, he was a candidate for the AD at at Colorado State, your alma mater, 10 years ago. He was the AD at, at the University of Tulsa at the time, or maybe Ball State at the time. He was a finalist and I'm not going to name the president at Colorado State at the time. Says, "Well, we can't have a can't have an athletic director by the name." Hey, of Bubba. Well, one of our greatest football players of all time, Bubba Baker. I, <laughs> I mean, football basketball yeah. player, Bubba Baker. We could do Bubba. But anyway, Bubba Lawrence, Bubba Cunningham goes to the University of North Carolina. Great athletic director, great friend. He predicted a couple of weeks ago that that this is all going to result in there being two or three quote major sports. Football, men's, women's basketball, baseball may get into there, uh, but he's predicting that that all the other sports are going to be 
downsize to the point that they're going to be self-funded. Yep. Uh, you know, maybe maybe on the intramural side or the club club level, club, yeah. club level, probably club level where, yep. where the students pay for their own right. exactly. you know, uniforms and, yep. and all that. And uh, you know, either that plan. or you know, there's going to be a Division three model. My long time, you know, still need to get Jim Delaney on the show here one of these days. But, oh yes, you know, Jim Jim predicted that we may be looking at a Division three model uh, for you know for the, those that can't afford to play. Right. Mm-hmm. at the highest level and um but the thing that the crown jewel that that remains the, the one piece that ties the the power five with the others is still the ncaa basketball tournament yeah and granted yep. if if they wanted to spin off and do their own basketball tournament they could but i think that there's a there, there yeah are enough, that would lose something there are enough people in the room who value the the ncaa tournament the march madness and that right now it's it's working just fine. Yep. The Power Five controls it. You know they get all the at-large berths. They get seventy-five percent of all the money. Uh, but we somehow the, the football piece needs to needs to get fixed. Amazing. It's a, it, it's it's yeah, Rever- yeah. The reverberations trickle down. All those things. It, it, it's it's amazing. We'll see what happens in 2020, 2022. This transformational committee that's going to happen. Right now, it's two people from what I what I can see. Well, they're the chair, the great and the athletic director from uh, Ohio Ohio, University. Um, A lady. Um, What do you think? I mean, what are they going to be doing? What are they going to be looking for? Is it what you're talking about as far as they're going to be saying, okay, um, let's go to a, you know, minor league model? Yeah, I I don't think, think again, uh, this is what happens when you, when you throw things into a committee. Right. Um, Unfortunately, you know, the outcomes aren't, are transformational right um so i'll be i'll be interested to just see how transformational it is right. greg sankey is a, is a great thinker uh he's a he's he's got a he can see the big picture but he also has to remember that, that he's the commissioner of the sec and he needs to protect the interests you know of his six now 16 you know yep. members so yep. it's uh you know there was a i think the the the, the man that is serving over the, the overall constitutional convention, uh, and I hope I don't uh, misspeak here, is Robert Gates. Yes. Uh, former Secretary yep. of Defense, yep. maybe, yep. Or, uh, but also a former college president. And he seems to, to have brought a, a big view that he's no longer representing any university, even no. though he's been a university president. You know, hopefully, you know, he can can lead this group to the major change and not minor change. Okay. That brings us to your thumbs up and thumbs down for the week. What do you got for us? Well, it's the last, last of the year. And uh, my thumbs down goes to all the media who continue to bash Bill Hancock and the CFP for playing the two semifinal games on new year's Eve, rather than the traditional new year's day. And this isn't the first time that the semifinals have been played on new year's Eve. And as they were negotiating the contract with ESPN, the idea was that New Year's Eve could be a, uh, a college football extravaganza. Uh, the first time they tried it, it was fell in the middle of yep. the week. Yep. Now, you know, just be patient. Let's see how it works, okay. you know, this Friday when on New Year's Eve afternoon, three o'clock and six o'clock, I think that the results are gonna be much better and so get it, you know, get off this notion that, 
that the CFP semifinals should be played on the traditional, you know, January one. So those, that's my thumbs down. My thumbs up, second week in a row to the Mid-American Conference and my good friend John mm-hmm. Steinbrecher. There you go. For, for, as he said, yes, we made some lemonade this week. Having been shut out of the Barstool Arizona Bowl playing my alma mater, Boise State, yep. they get to move up the, uh, the, the food chain and uh, play uh, Washington State in the, in the Sun, Sun Bowl, Bowl. Yep. Sun Bowl to the tune of two or three more million dollars for the Mid American Conference. So uh, for them, thumbs up, thumbs up. Two weeks in a row to John Steinbrecher. Short short drive from Tucson to El Paso. That worked out nicely for them. Glad, yeah, glad but they had to get they had to get from Mount Pleasant, uh, Michigan yeah, to Tucson, Tucson and now they're fussing hey. back to uh, that. That's quite a road they'll, trip. They'll, right they'll one they'll never forget. One they'll never forget. They'll never forget about it, right? It's yeah. memorable. Hope, man. If they imagine if they won that game, that'd be pretty cool. Hey, hey, good work as always, Carl. Uh, happy New Year to you and your family. I know you're enjoying it with family. Um, we'll, we'll resume this in 2022. A lot, a lot more to talk about. I don't know if it can match 2021 in monumental events, but we'll see. But like you said, there's never anything, any shortage of things to talk about. Okay, Mark. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everybody listening. Please join us next week. Enjoy your. Have a safe New Year. Enjoy it. And we will be back next week with another another edition of Knutson and the Commission. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.